911 emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. Escape, we're just pushing guys over. Right here going towards Javelin on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. You got to take it to the woods. Please hurry. Okay, now run that by me. No, we're not talking to him. Hi, Kelly, you ran into him. Ah, you ran into him. Okay. Got the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? Yeah. No, I need the cops. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? 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 Brandon Lawson disappeared in the early morning hours of August 10th, 2013. After an argument with his wife, Ladessa, he left his home in San Angelo, Texas, intending to make the three-and-a-half-hour drive to his father's home in Crowley. He would never arrive. At 12.30 a.m., just shy of the town of Bront, Brandon's truck ran out of gas, leaving him stranded on Highway 277. Over the next 48 minutes, Brandon made a number of phone calls, including one to his brother Kyle for help, three missed calls to Ladessa, and a 911 call that remains the subject of scrutiny and speculation to this day. Unfortunately, we may never know what happened to Brandon that night, because shortly after placing this call to 911, he appears to have vanished into thin air. Hello and welcome to Fact and Suspicion. Tonight's mystery is the bizarre disappearance of Brandon Lawson. So, our story begins a couple days before Brandon's disappearance. Brandon had just passed a drug test for a new job. And what better way to celebrate passing a drug test than with some recreational drug use, right? I guess he doesn't anticipate another drug test soon. I'm guessing not. Okay, so he asked his brother Kyle to procure him some meth. And Kyle did so. Brandon gets high and doesn't come home for two days. So, understandably, when he strolled in on the 9th, Ladessa, his wife, was a bit upset. Uh, the two got into a huge fight. I can understand why she'd be upset. Was, was she not used to his drug use? Like, had he been clean for a while? Well, he had been clean, though I don't even know if clean's necessarily the right word. Um, according to Kyle's brother, Brandon wasn't really an addict. He would use meth just recreationally and then put it down for months at a time and then use it again. Now, if there's one thing that we've learned from Ladessa's interview on the Missing Maura Murray podcast, it's that she doesn't like drugs. In fact, that's just about the only thing we learned. So, so she was pretty upset. And, and, you know, and before this incident, Brandon had been clean for the past six months. So, again, Ladessa was understandably angry, right? Right, and they had children as well, so that would, that would make her even angry. Yeah, she didn't want the drugs around her kids, of course. And Brandon hadn't come home the night before, so that's kind of a big deal. So she told Brandon to leave, and he decided to drive three and a half hours to his father's place and stay the night there. Obviously, he wasn't thinking too clearly. Uh, it was already close to midnight, so both Ladessa and Brandon's father tried to convince him to go to his brother's place instead, which was just up the road. But again, Brandon was upset and not thinking clearly, so he wasn't hearing it. I understand that, but I can't imagine 
I would never want to drive three hours somewhere to spend the night when it's already midnight. Yeah, but of course, you're not on meth either, so that could be the difference. Okay, so he left home and started out on Highway 67, headed towards Crowley, where his father is. But for reasons we don't understand, at some point on the drive, Brandon changed course and took Highway 277 towards Abilene. Now, it's possible he was simply taking a longer route to his dad's place, uh, maybe to avoid the cops, but we can't be certain. He may have decided just to go somewhere else entirely. So this route, was it Was it just out of the way? It wasn't really just like heading in the other direction? Yeah, he really just would have been more out of the way. It was uh, He could still get to his father's house going that direction, from what I understand. It just would have taken about a half hour longer. So it wasn't like he just went the opposite direction. Right. Well, you know, I don't know a ton about, I mean, I understand what meth is, but I would think that if you are high on meth, you might want to have a little extra time to, I don't know, calm down from it before you get to your dad's house. Uh, Perhaps that's the case. Uh, Who knows? And I mean, because he was on meth, maybe he was trying to avoid cops. Reasonable. Now, Brandon's truck was low on gas uh, as he was headed to his dad's place or wherever he was headed. But he believed he could make it to the 24-hour Stripe convenience store in Bryant. Clearly, he was mistaken. Because at 12.30, Brandon called Kyle to tell him he was out of gas. Now, Kyle didn't have a gas can, so he had to go by Brandon's place first to pick one up. Ladessa left one out for him before she went to bed. And since Kyle's check hadn't hit his account yet, he needed to find Brandon first to get some cash from him before he could go get the gas. So after grabbing the can from Brandon's place, Kyle and his wife, Audrey, headed to find Brandon. So just how far away had Brandon gotten at this point? How far away was he from Kyle? So I couldn't give you the distance in miles, but they were about a half hour apart. That's about how far Brandon had gotten before he broke down. Okay. Now, according to Kyle... Brandon called him and Audrey, actually, a number of times while they were on their way. But Kyle says he couldn't make much of the calls for two reasons. One, the signal was terrible. And two, Brandon seemed extremely paranoid. He wasn't making a lot of sense. Kyle says that on one call, Brandon told him that Mexicans were chasing him out of town and that Ladessa had put them up to it. Really? Yeah, take that with a grain of salt, right? He was on meth. Right. Did did Kyle happen to say if Brandon usually got paranoid that way when he was on meth? Yeah, so the the one interview I've seen with Kyle, he mentions that, actually. So this was pretty normal. In fact, Kyle didn't take him seriously at all and assumed it was just the meth talking. So Now, at 12.50, Brandon placed the call to 911, which for some reason rang to a nursing home in Robert Lee, about 10 minutes away. Now, we'll discuss the 911 call and what Brandon was saying in a bit, but it's important to understand that it had almost nothing to do with the events of the night. The dispatcher didn't get the necessary information to send help. She attempted to call Brandon back, but he never answered. So the police never responded to Brandon's call. Okay, I have to ask a question. You said the dispatcher... But you also said that this ran into a nursing home? Uh, yes, I, I'm not sure why. 
I suppose they, the 911 calls would ring there and then they would report them to the police. I don't actually understand how it works at all. That seems like a terrible system. Well, there are some, certainly some criticisms for the 911 operator, but, but we'll get to that in a bit. Now, at 118, Kyle and Audrey were nearby and called Brandon to get his exact location. Right, They were just trying to pinpoint it. They were in the area by this point. And according to Kyle, Brandon sounded like he was out of breath and appeared to be running. Brandon then said that he was bleeding and to hurry before hanging up. Wow, bleeding, and we have no idea what would cause that, or like if he was injured, or you know what was going on with that. Well, unfortunately, no, we we don't have any idea. I can tell you, Kyle and Audrey didn't take it too seriously. They assumed Brandon had maybe fallen and cut himself on some rocks, and maybe in a paranoid stupor. And and just to be clear, while that might seem strange that they didn't seem to take this too seriously, keep in mind that they had no clue Brandon had just called nine one one. The call wasn't discovered until Ledessa noticed it on Brandon's phone records three days later. Right, so they thought maybe he just fell or got into some briars or something. Yeah, at at this point, they had no reason to suspect anything terrible had happened. Now, this is where things get strange. Kyle and Audrey arrived at Brandon's truck at 1.30, but Brandon wasn't in it. However, Brandon wasn't exactly missing yet either. Kyle was still in contact with him on the phone. It appears as though Brandon was hiding in the woods nearby. According to Kyle, Brandon could see him from his vantage point. Now, shortly after Kyle arrived, a police officer, Deputy Neal, pulled up to the scene. And once again, this was not due to Brandon's 911 call. I want to stress that. A truck driver had reported Brandon's vehicle because the left rear of it was blocking the road, and Neil was responding to that call. And we know Brandon was watching this because he yelled at Kyle to run when he saw Officer Neil pull up. I find it really interesting that he would seem afraid of the cops when he had just called 911. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, the big, that's the big issue, right? It, does, it seems to make no sense. Of course, Kyle had no intentions of running because he hadn't done anything wrong. But I do think this situation tells us a lot about Brandon's mental state. Uh, He's in the woods, hiding from the police, and even insists that his brother run. Yet, as you just pointed out, he himself called the police less than an hour ago. So it's, it's really bizarre. Yeah, like maybe he's confused or... That, that is certainly a possibility. I mean, he was, I'm sure he was sleep deprived because he'd been on meth for so long and he was strung out. Right. Now, it is true that Brandon had a warrant for failure to appear in Johnson County. He was apparently informed about it when he tried to renew his license. But according to Ledessa, uh, Brandon had already gotten an attorney and was dealing with it. So it's possible that he didn't want to be arrested, though that still doesn't explain why he called 911 in the first place. It's one of the most bizarre things about uh, an extremely bizarre case. So, yeah. Now, when Kyle spoke to Officer Neal, he told him that the truck belonged to his brother, who had run out of gas. He did not, however, mention that he had just been in touch with Brandon. He made it seem as though Brandon probably started walking towards a gas station or something, like he was just up the road, and told Neal that he was going to drive up the road and find him. Right. Well, I mean, that seems like a reasonable thing to do when your brother seems like he's 
nervous about being around the cops. Yeah, of course. And you don't think anything bad has happened. He's right. We have to keep that in mind. He had no idea that a 911 call had been placed. And why would he? He had just spoken with Brandon. Brandon didn't mention a 911 call. Right, and the officer didn't either. So. Exactly. And now, some people have faulted Kyle for this, but I think that's extremely unfair. I mean, I'd have done the exact same thing in his shoes. Can right, you anyone, don't get your brother in trouble. Right, exactly. Can anyone honestly say that they would have told the cops that their friend or family member was hiding in the woods? Oh, right over there, officer. Oh, and by the way, I believe he has a warrant out for his arrest. So, you know, you might want to just, just go ahead and take care of that, too. <laughs> I mean, particularly when you had no reason to believe that their life was in danger. Right. Of no. course not. And if you would, you're a bad friend or family member. Reevaluate no, your life decisions. And, you know, another thing with that is Brandon had just gotten this new job. I'm sure he would have been fired from it if he was arrested for meth charges. That's an excellent point. I hadn't actually considered that, but yeah, you're right. I guess that could have been a factor as well. Though, I mean, I guess it's really impossible to say what was going on in his meth-fueled head at the time. But yeah, that, that's, that's a good point, actually. So Kyle left the site and began driving up and down the road, calling Brandon's name. But Brandon never responded and stopped answering his phone. At first, Kyle assumed that Brandon was simply waiting out the police officer. But even after Neil left the scene, Brandon was nowhere to be found. And keep in mind that just a few minutes before, Brandon had been watching Kyle and Officer Neal. So at some point in the last 15 minutes, he seems to have vanished. Now, do they think that maybe he just passed out in that time and couldn't answer his phone? Or do they think that he definitely, you know, something bad happened, he went missing in that 15 minutes? I mean, it's really impossible to say. It's a fair question, but Brandon was never seen again. But they definitely searched the area immediately around the around there, right? I guess I'm getting ahead of myself talking about searches already, but... Uh, well, yeah. Now, we'll get to the searches in a bit. Now, that night, uh, Kyle was really the only person searching. Uh, he searched for Brandon until around 4.30 and then had to leave to get his kids some food. But he returned with a friend a little later and searched again. But, you know, by searched, I mean that they drove up and down the road calling Brandon's name, right? It's not like they got out and looked around. Well, obviously, I mean, what else would you do in the, in the middle of the exactly. night? Exactly. Like I mean, they, they didn't have a lot of options. And, and, of course, they found nothing. Now, around 7 a.m., Kyle was exhausted. So he put some gas in Brandon's truck and went home to get some rest. And then the sheriff's department had Brandon's truck towed sometime between 8.30 and 9.00. So that's basically the timeline of Brandon's disappearance. So I guess now is a good time to look at the 911 call. Now, I'll be honest, Dan, I have no idea what to make of this call. There are parts that I think are mostly understandable, but other parts just seem like gibberish, purely unintelligible. I mean, what do you think? Uh, do, you, do you think it makes sense? I think there are parts of it that seem to make sense, but yeah, it's... It's confusing, you know, at absolute best. Yeah, I agree. But I guess if we're going to discuss it, I mean, if we just talk about the whole thing, that's going to really be confusing. Maybe if we could break it down into sections, that'd be easier. Yeah, that's, that's actually not a bad idea. Uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we play the call in full one more time for the audience? And then I have another version of the call 
that sort of isolates Brandon's voice and brings the the levels up some, the volume. And I think that'd be great for breaking it down individually. That sounds good. All right, so I'm going to play the call. 911 emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. It's like we're just pushing guys over. Right here going towards Javelin on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. I got to the woods. Please hurry. Okay, now run that by me. We're not talking to him. I actually ran into him. Ah, you ran into him. Okay. Got the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? No, I need the cops. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? 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 So, Dan, wow us with your interpretation. What do you hear? Okay, well, I mean, I definitely hear that, yes, I'm in the middle of a field. Agreed. But then I hear, and I know this is not a word, <laughs> but I hear the stapers. Yes. I hear the same thing. I, I, I assume maybe he was trying to say state troopers and, and maybe he was just out of breath and stumbling over his words. But yeah, yeah, I, that's what I hear too. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think, okay, so I definitely think state troopers is probably it. Um, And then I hear the stapers just pushed some guys over. So, and I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. You know, that, that should, a lot of people you'd think pulled over, but I hear pushed. Right. So I used to hear pulled too, but I think that was maybe because I already had police on the brain because of state troopers and, you know, they pull people over. But after listening to it more, yeah, I agree. I think he says pushed. I'll be honest with you. If we're talking about state troopers, I kind of, I can see why pushed would make sense because if, you know, like if, if a cop is trying to pull you over and you won't stop, you know how sometimes they'll like, take force and like nudge you off the side of the road or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it could have been a, a scenario like that, or maybe he saw that happening. Even if it was, wasn't directly happening to him. Right. Like, like I thought maybe like he saw that. happen. I, I don't know, but that's sort of what I take from it. Yeah. Like, like he's watching like a state trooper push someone out off the road who is not being cooperative. Maybe, maybe. Right. And then I hear we're out here going towards Abilene on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's exactly what I hear. I don't know exactly and, what it means, but that's what I hear. Well, this is how I imagine it. And, and this actually makes sense to me. Let's say his truck is stopped there on the side of the road. Right. And there's another vehicle or the other vehicles are stopped, but they're stopped on the other side of the road. Right. Okay. So let's say like they were, they were both heading the same direction, but he's pulled over on one side and they're on the other side. So we're going towards Abilene. On both sides of the road. I, I guess I can kind of follow that. I, I still don't know that it makes a lot of sense, but but yeah, I, I do hear we're out here going towards Abilene on both sides. That's the only thing I can think that it means. You know, I, I've heard some or, or I've read online where people think that it was bikers because of that. You know, they're on both sides of the road, but that's right. really strange to me. Yeah, it's always bikers, right? All right, yeah, so I'll much. go ahead and play the next part. Okay. My truck ran out of gas. 
Vocês vão correr So I think we can both agree that he's saying my truck ran out of gas, right? Definitely, yeah. Okay. Now, next I'm hearing there's one car here. At least I I think think that's that's what I'm hearing. That's pretty clear to me, I think. Okay. And then a guy's maybe chasing me something woods, maybe chasing me through the woods is the best I can come up with. I hear a guy's chasing. And then everyone I talk to hears a word there, but that next word to me sounds like static. I, I don't actually hear a word. So it to me, it does sound like it cuts out sometime after he says chase, mm-hmm. but like to me, it's like he, it, I at least think he's trying to say chasing. Yeah, well, I think he says chasing, but like I don't hear like chasing me or anything. I hear a guy's chasing, then like sort of a static sound into the woods. But you do hear woods. No, I'm I'm definitely hearing the word woods. It it sounds to me like into the woods, but it, I guess it could be through the woods as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And then please hurry. Please, yeah, please hurry is very, very, very clear. Yeah, that's one of the most clear things in the call uh, to my ears. Now, the next section I think is where it's just it's all over the place. I, I can't really tell. Yeah, it's very unclear, and and some people think they hear gunshots in this. So. I, now I have before I was unconvinced, but at least with this version, with the volume turned up, there might be at least one uh, one sound that could be a gunshot, certainly. But let, let's go ahead and play it real quick. When I talk to him, I show you an intro. That's the first guy. You need an no, I need the call. Okay, I'll be honest, Daniel. I have no idea what he says there at the first. I I think it sounds like, and we're not talking to them, but I don't know why that would make any sense. Well, this is you know sort of the one particular part of the call where some people think he may have actually been speaking to another person on the scene. Right, yeah. Now, Though personally, I, I don't think I've ever heard the other person that, that people keep pointing out to me, no, but that no, doesn't I, mean he's not there. I don't think I have either. I, I think that it's more like context clues that he doesn't sound like he's talking to the operator. Oh, is that it, that there's not supposed to be an actual voice there? Because I, I thought that's what people were getting at. They hear someone else there. Well, you know, I think some people do think they hear that, but a lot of people just say, you know, it sounds like context clues that he seems like he's not talking into the phone. Right, that, that might explain why some things operator. are louder than the others. That he's actually yeah. speaking away from the phone at times. Yeah, I guess that that makes sense. Yeah, the whole and we're not talking to him. It's like there's someone else there on the scene, and he's like, you know, yeah, you know, we're not talking to, to those people over there because there's some there weird shit going on, right? Right. Or or maybe he's saying that too, like if there is a cop on the scene, maybe say the cop. You know, I'm, we're not talking to. Him, like, I'm not talking to those people, right? Right. Now and then. I've got, I accidentally ran into them, followed by some sound. Well, right there, I don't hear uh, accidentally. To me, it sounds like I actually ran into them. Okay, so I keep going back and forth on that one, whether it's accidentally or actually. But, but yeah, I think, I think both are valid interpretations. And then there's that sound, and I think if there's a gunshot here, it's likely this one. Yeah, you know, especially on, on the... 
the slowed down, clarified version of the recording. Right. It sounds a lot like a gunshot to me. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Now, the next part, I don't know if, if I'm being, uh, if I've just been primed to hear this because that sound kind of sounds like a gunshot, but it sounds to me like he's saying maybe they shot the first guy. Right. You know, I'm definitely hearing shot the first guy, but I'm going to be honest with you. When we, when we heard the first recording, you know, the, the one that's not been edited. Right. Um, it always sounded to me like something like shot the first guy. And I didn't think I heard a gunshot at all in that recording. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. In the original I hearing, recording, I, I only hear the first sound. Right, but even back then, I was still hearing shot the first guy right there. Exactly, yeah. I yeah, I, saying, I tend to agree. I don't know if he's saying he shot the first guy or, or they shot the first guy or what, something. I can never hear shot the first guy, though. Okay. Yeah, it, it seems like to me that he, he's saying they, but it could just as easily be he. Uh, and then there's another sound, whether it's another gunshot, I, I have no idea. And then from there, it's just unintelligible. And then, yeah, no, I need the cops. And then more sounds. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't I don't hear, I, I can't tell what is, be, is, is happening when she's saying, do you need an ambulance? And then I do hear that, yeah, no, I need the cops. Right, right. Like, it sounds like he changed his mind there. Or maybe he's the yeah is directed at someone else on the scene, and then he's is his afterthought. He goes back to her and says, "No, I need the cops." I hadn't actually considered that though. I, I just assumed that he was just that he'd automatically responded to her without thinking because he was just because he was doing so many other things at the time. He was exhausted, and then he just said, "No, I need the cops." Yeah, I think either one of those is possible. I'm just like with the people that theorize there's another person on the scene. They they all say that yeah was directed at you know, the, the other person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Now, now to me, those three, um, sounds there, the three possible gunshots, you know, that we were hearing. Right. Um, I have always sort of thought that that sounds like, like Brandon may have started running again and you're hearing his phone, maybe brush against his shirt or, just maybe the wind in it when his arms moving back and forth or something like that. Yeah, I would say that that's definitely possible, especially considering that in the original version, it's not very loud. At least it doesn't seem like it's as loud as you would expect a gunshot to be. Now, of course, we don't know anything about the distance. We don't know how far away this would have been would have been happening. But uh, yeah, I, I think you you might be onto something there. It is definitely not as loud as the what we think maybe a gunshot. You know. Uh, after the, I actually ran into them. Yeah, exactly. Definitely not that loud. And um, if I remember correctly, um, some people thought that that sound could have been a car going across the bridge that was close to them. Yeah, I believe Kyle actually uh, suspects that. Yeah, yeah, like the the sound of like going across those like those metal divider sections and bridges. Yeah, part of the bridge. Yeah. I don't know. Those that sound is. I'm not saying it's not a gunshot, but I'm I'm not convinced those are gunshots. Yeah, I'm not either. Though I'm listening to uh, particularly the the one where the sounds turned up, I can definitely understand why people think they're hearing gunshots, particularly after accidentally ran into them. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I agree completely on that. So one of the biggest problems I have here with interpreting this is I'm not sure how much is what I've been influenced to hear. You know, there's that phenomenon where people hear, 
uh, intelligible lyrics, like in backwards gibberish, like people hear satanic lyrics in uh, Stairway to Heaven. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, is that one played backwards or is that forward? Right, right. But the idea is that people hear patterns. And once you're exposed to lyrics, uh, when, when someone prompts you to hear something, you can then you then start to hear it. And I don't know how much of that is influencing me, right? Yeah, because yeah, I've that, read a bunch of different translations, and I've spoken to you about it. That yeah, I know what you mean, and I've read a lot too. But that phenomenon you're talking about, it got you know what it reminds me of is that remember that Yanny versus Laurel video? Yeah, I always heard Laurel myself. I yeah, I heard Laurel too. I always heard Laurel myself, but I, I know a lot of people that heard Yanny. Yeah. So, and yeah, so I don't know how much I've been primed to hear, right? Mm -hmm. But either way, I think there are at least parts that are perfectly intelligible. But I guess here's the question, right? What narrative do we get out of this? Like, do you think that you have any idea what was happening from this? Well, there is one narrative to me that, that comes in sort of clearly. Um, and I, I'm not trying to implicate police in this at any means. Yeah, fair enough. But it sounds like he's seeing an incident with some police to me. Um, you know, like he says, the stapers or the state troopers, right? Mm -hmm. Push some guys over. We talked about yeah, what the push some guys over would mean, right? Right. Um, and then, you know, there's that kind of cryptic, sort of cryptic, there's one car here line. Mm -hmm. um, or one guy here is what I hear at least. Right. So, see, I hear one car here. And wait, you, wait, wait. Maybe I do hear one car. I don't even remember at this point. Say, right? Yeah. Well, okay. So let's say there's one car here. That's that's how I kind of hear that. Okay, line. I had it written down that there's one car here. Yeah, I just I remembered it wrong. Right. Well, let's say you know that doesn't make a lot of sense unless you're you're looking at it from the aspect of he just told this person that he's talking to who he thinks is affiliated with the police. Right. He just told this person that the police officer just pulled somebody over, and then he says, "There's one car here." That sounds to me like there's one police car here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I follow at least. The meaning of it. Mm -hmm. So that that makes me feel like he has, you know, sort of witnessed an incident with the police. And maybe when he's saying, you know, they shot the first guy, maybe that either means that the people that got pulled over shot the police officer or the police officer shot the first guy that approached him mm -hmm. or something like that. And you know, I'm not saying this is what happened. This is just that's right, one it's narrative just, that it's yeah, something that you can get out of it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a reasonable interpretation because it's basically what I think as well. Some altercation with the police that 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 turned deadly, and that he was witnessing. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense to me. Though I'm not saying that it necessarily makes sense that that happened. You know, like with all the other evidence, mm -hmm. just what I get from the call. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree. So I guess we've come to the part where we discuss the investigation and the search, uh, to the extent we can call it that. Now, there are times when it seems remarkably thorough, but as you'll see, it's, it's almost like they were just kind of going through the motions at times. I, I think you'll understand as, as, as we get into it. So on the 10th, Deputy Neal checked the surrounding properties for signs of Brandon and did a search with a thermal imaging camera. Now, I didn't see a helicopter or a plane mentioned. I looked. So I have to assume this search was conducted on foot. Now, oh, go, now go that's, I'm a little confused there because I don't know if I've ever heard of them using a thermal image search 
on foot. Like it's always in a helicopter, isn't it? That's why I looked for uh, for any indication that they were in a helicopter or a plane. Could not find it. So maybe it's implied or it's supposed to be implied, but it seems like they'd mention that. You, you would think so, but I can't imagine them doing it on foot. How are you going to find? I mean. I just, I don't know what you're going to do with that. It seems like they did most of the searching on foot. They did some aerial searches, as we'll cover in a bit, but it seems like most of it was ground. Though that's Maybe that's understandable. So, on the 11th, Neil put together a small search team. Uh, how small, it doesn't exactly say. But it's worth noting that the team believes they found the area where Brandon was hiding while he was speaking with Kyle. You know, when, when he could see from his vantage point when Deputy Neil pulled up. Right. Do we know what evidence they found of that, or is it just assumed? Well, they had a forester with them, or, or whatever, someone who, like a, a scout or a tracker. Maybe okay. I'm thinking too much like RPGs, but <laughs> they, they had their rogue with them. And uh, I, it seems to be that they noticed um, some markings on a tree, and it looks like uh, maybe where someone had sat down next to it. Uh, the leaves were disheveled. Okay. I, I don't know exactly whatever they were looking for. Maybe they used their search skill. Found Brandon. I don't know. Maybe, but at any rate, they, they're pretty sure they found the spot. Right. Now, on the 12th, Ranger Dwayne Gall met with Deputy Neal and Sheriff Wayne McCutcheon. The three agreed that Brandon was no longer in Coke County. Now, what evidence they had for that, who knows? Your guess is as good as mine. Sounds like they must have gone door to door to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm doubting it. Uh, they reached this conclusion pretty quickly, as we'll see. Uh, Neil reported that Gall came to the same conclusion as he and McCutcheon, that Brandon was no longer in Coke County. The assumption was that he had left town voluntarily, a theory which seems to have clouded every aspect of the investigation from this point on. And a theory they came to with no evidence whatsoever? With very little, a small search team and a thermal imaging camera. So just to be clear, by the 12th, a mere two days after, really less than two days after Brandon's disappearance, investigators had already decided that he left voluntarily. And from here, man, honestly, it just kind of seems like they went through the motions. I mean, Ladessa went to the sheriff's office on the 13th to officially file a missing persons report. So she didn't know that by the time she had filed a missing persons report, that the investigators had basically already decided that he had left voluntarily. I don't understand how they can... How can you do that? It's a fine question, and it's one that a lot of people wonder. Uh, It seems like they did a cursory look around the area and then somehow came to the conclusion that he was trying to avoid the police. I mean, even the most lax missing persons investigations we've looked into, I don't think any of them would just say, oh, this person left without having some kind of video evidence that they were walking out. I mean, Uh, right. I mean, I mean, video evidence and this would be hard to come by considering where he went missing, but but I I, I get your point, right? right? I mean, it seems like they would have something to base this on. I mean, the the police refused to say anything about Brian Schaefer. And in this, he seemed to have even less, you know, I mean, there's, there's no one anywhere around. Yeah, now, well, we'll get to uh, to this a little more when we discuss the theories, uh, because uh, him leaving voluntarily, voluntarily is certainly one of them. So, on the 13th, uh, like I said, Ladessa filed the missing persons report. That same day, 
Texas Ranger Nick Hanna, who is the lead on the case to this day, took a helicopter ride over the area from the Colorado River south along both sides of US-277. So the area where Brandon's pickup was, effectively. And he found nothing. Now, from here, honestly, Daniel, it just depends on the source. There does not seem to be a detailed timeline of the searches that were conducted. But according to Ranger Nick Hanna, there were a total of nine. Four conducted in August, one each in September and October, and then the last three took place the following year in January, February, and July. Now, are these just the uh, official, like the state searches? Because they did some private searches as well, didn't they? Uh, This is, uh, as far as I can tell, this is just the state searches. Yeah, there was uh, was a private investigator, or or I I won't say investigator, it was a lady who did searches, uh, Paula Bordeaux, I believe is her name. She did four searches using search dogs, and she cleared a large section of land west of US-277. But I'm not sure if there were any other privately conducted searches. Okay. Unless, is Texas uh, Searches and Rescue or Texar, are they private or public? I think that's public, or at least I think they work with law enforcement. Yeah, I I think it is too, because I think those are included in the nine. Like I said, information here is difficult to come by. So Texars did searches with two helicopters, numerous ATVs, and some sources say six cadaver dogs, others have more, but cadaver dogs were used, we'll say. And apparently in in these searches, at one time or another, four different government agencies were involved. But again, it doesn't say exactly which government agencies those were. Like I said, information here is difficult to come by. Hard to come by information is, we've gotten used to that though, especially in these cases that are not closed. Yeah, though I'll be honest, this one was especially frustrating trying to find, because I like to get detailed lists of the searches that were conducted. And this, and one source would say one thing, the other, uh, the next would completely contradict it. Right. Well. If I'm not mistaken, there were there were a lot of questions about the reporting on the case as well with this one. So Th- that's true, and we'll get into that a little more in a bit under the uh, when we get to the theories. Now, it's worth noting that investigators also looked at Kyle. They never seriously considered that he was involved in Brandon's death, or at least it doesn't seem that way. But they did suspect that he helped Brandon disappear. Uh, they seemed especially angry that Kyle had lied to Officer Neal that night. You know, when he didn't tell him Brandon was in the woods. Right, but I mean, how do they not understand that's reasonable? Who knows? But yeah, you're right. It was absolutely reasonable. If the deputy had had told him that this guy just called 911, then I'm sure he would have said, oh, I just heard him in the woods over here. But without that information, why? why right, exactly. Kyle had no reason to sell his brother out because he, he never suspected that he was in any sort of danger. And you're not just going to tell the cops where your brother is if he doesn't want to be found. I guess that's true. Now, I want to be absolutely clear here that there is zero evidence that Kyle knew anything about Brandon's disappearance. And he voluntarily took and passed multiple polygraph tests uh, for what it's worth. I mean, that means really nothing to me, but I think it's very clear he had nothing to do with his brother's disappearance. No, no. And I mean, I would have taken the polygraph test, but just I mean, Kyle did more to find Brandon than just about anyone. I mean, and losing his brother it took a, a real toll on him. So I just I wanted to be very clear about that. The police looked at him, 
but there was nothing there. No, yeah, I, I agree with you, and especially because I listened to that interview with Kyle as well, and I mean, I really felt like he was telling the truth. Yeah, I, I did as well. So now I guess we should discuss the various theories. Now, there are some that were so ridiculous that I, I didn't even, I, I'm not even going to bother to go into. I mean, I think some of these are, are kind of ridiculous, but some of them are particularly bizarre, like the biker gang theory. I mean, I'm not even going to go into that. Now, but there are some, some theories that, that I think are worth discussing. You'd be surprised how many times I've read about the biker gang on Reddit. I mean, which case? It seems like somebody always suspects a biker gang. I think I think people just watch too much Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> Maybe so. Okay, so the first theory is just about the only one the sheriff's department took seriously. That Brandon left of his own volition. Essentially, the idea is that Brandon faked his own death or abduction to avoid going back to jail. Uh, he was already out on bond. And the police suspected that he was afraid of the jail sentence he would have gotten, particularly if a drug screen found the meth that was in his system. Yet, this just seems patently ridiculous. So, yeah, I I have a few issues with that. One is that if he really wanted to disappear, I feel like disappearing this well would have taken some planning. Exactly. And I don't think you're going to plan that out while you're on meth. And sleep and they, deprived. And sleep deprived. So I don't think he could do that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And as everyone who knew Brandon has said, he was a loving father. I mean, the, the guy worked like 12 hours a day, sometimes 90 plus hours a week to provide for him. He wasn't just going to skip town. Uh, see you later, kiddos. Well, especially without letting any of his family know. I think he would have definitely let Kyle know. But if Kyle knew that he had skipped town, there's no way he would have gone through everything he went through trying to find Brandon. No, it's it's absurd. And as we've already mentioned, remember that Brandon had hired an attorney for this exact reason. He wasn't avoiding his legal problems. He was actively trying to address them. I mean, what reason would he possibly have to fake his own death? But but I think most importantly here, and, and we come back to this again, is why the hell would he call 911 if he intended to run from the police, right? If, if he was so afraid of the police that he would fake his own death to avoid them, why would he call them? Right. I, I don't think there's any way you just call 911 to cover your tracks. No. Like it's This theory is just patently ridiculous, and unfortunately, it's the one that investigators seem to have clinged to almost immediately. Don't he was on always- drugs. And he had, um, and he had a prior record. So to him, to, so to them, this was just a criminal that was running away. Don't they always just get hung up on their first theory, though? That tends to be the case, particularly I think when drugs are involved or some sort of past criminal history, or, or mental health. But I mean, that's not right. part of this one. But yeah, yeah, yeah I know. You're, you're, but you're absolutely right. We've seen that plenty of times. So the second theory we should consider is a Good Samaritan scenario. The idea is that Brandon encountered a state trooper or some other law enforcement officer who had just pulled over a vehicle with some number of people inside. Things got out of hand, and Brandon tried to help the officer, perhaps by chasing one of the criminals down and trying to hold them until the officer can gain control. 
but then things went horribly wrong and resulting in both of their deaths. But there are some problems with this, obviously. Definitely problems with this. Now, from everything I've heard, it doesn't seem like the police have any record of, you know, police activity, a shooting that night. Was there something? No, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, there was no record of such a stop or even of, a, of another law enforcement officer, apart from Neil, being in the area. Now, I have read some other sources that claim that there was one other officer in the area. Uh, I don't remember the name given, but I've never seen that corroborated, so I, I can't be certain. Another thing that really jumps out to me about this is that how would Brandon come across this? I mean, his truck was out of gas. He's not traveling anymore, right? Right. I mean, I mean unless I it was on foot. Maybe, 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 you know, this happened in the distance and he ran to it, but why would you do that if you're on meth? You would try to stay away, right? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Now, some people have suggested that it could have been someone posing as a police officer, but there's just no evidence for that. I think it's honestly kind of a stretch. I mean, it's just, it's pure conjecture. Well, you know, he could have just thought it was a police officer and been mistaken, too. Yeah, but I think one of the biggest problems here, perhaps the biggest problem, is it doesn't really work with the timeline as we understand it. Remember, Kyle spoke with Brandon nearly an hour after the 911 call. So when could this have happened exactly? It just doesn't fit. No, but I, I always felt like if this, you know, if someone did kill Brandon, they would have had to have found him again after he spoke to Kyle. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's the only possibility. Because, uh, you know, Kyle spoke with Brandon, like I said, nearly an hour after the 911 call. So unless whoever it was found Brandon again later, it just doesn't fit in the timeline. No, not at all. Not at all. So next, there's the possibility of some sort of law enforcement cover-up. Now, this one comes in a number of different forms, but usually involves Brandon being killed by a corrupt member of law enforcement. Uh, with this scenario, Brandon would have simply been in the wrong place at the wrong time. The general idea is that he ran out of gas and saw something that he shouldn't have seen. Uh, the usual suggestion is that there was maybe a drug deal involving a dirty cop, and Brandon had to be silenced before he could uh, repeat what he saw. Honestly, the, the 911 call sounds like that to me. I, I tend to agree. Now, I, that doesn't mean that that I necessarily believe this, right? I want to be very clear about that. But it is the scenario, thus far at least, that I think uh, the evidence matches the best. Right, and I'm I'm not saying that I think that evidence points actually toward the police with this. No, I, I completely agree. Always, nothing directly. I've always thought that, you know, if Brandon was saying they're police here, that maybe he mistook uh, the vehicle for a police car. Because mm -hmm. I mean, I know around here, all the state troopers drive the same car. Exactly, yes. And if he had seen that type of car, you know, if, if it was dark, he wouldn't have seen the markings on the side of it. Maybe they're just driving that same style of car, right? Yeah, that, that's, that's a possibility. Now, I do have sympathy for people who think that it had something to do with a police cover-up, because I, I think that even though there's not, a, not really any direct evidence supporting it, that it's at least understandable why someone would suspect foul play from the sheriff's office. Their investigation, as I've mentioned, seemed to begin and end with a drug addict running from legal problems. 
despite the readily available evidence to the contrary. And adding to the suspicion of a cover-up is the fact that Sheriff McCutcheon's wife ran the local newspaper. Wait, 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 wait. That has to be a conflict of interest, doesn't it? Well, obviously it is, or at the least, it has the appearance of one. And it doesn't help that her now infamous article on Brandon's disappearance ran with the headline, Law Enforcement Concludes Man Not in Coke County. Right, so the investigation's over, according to Effectively, yes. I mean, she was just repeating what her husband said. So you can see, like, I think it's perfectly understandable why people would suspect some sort of cover-up from law enforcement. I mean, like you said, it absolutely appears to be a conflict of interest for the local newspaper to be run by the sheriff's wife. And for her to immediately report her husband's conclusion as fact is a really bad look. Not gonna lie. No, I agree that it is. Maybe in these small towns that people don't even think of that, though. Yeah, you're probably right. But I would, I feel like if someone is running a newspaper and their spouse decides to run for public office, they, they should have to resign from the newspaper. Right, or the spouse shouldn't run for public office. One of the two. One of the two. Now, yeah, I agree. That, that That's too much power for, for two people to have like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I will say that it makes sense that she could help with the cover-up. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes just as much sense that she would be covering for bad police work. See, I, I completely agree. See, I don't particularly think that this scenario happened. I just, I'm very sympathetic to people who think it uh, because of the appearance of the conflict of interest. But I think more likely this is just a conflict of interest from a journalist combined with shoddy police work. But but that makes them bad at their jobs, not murderers. I agree if, if not just because we've seen a lot of these cases and I feel like it's, very, very rarely any type of actual corruption past the fact they're just trying to cover for their mistakes. Uh, right. I mean, I, I agree completely. Now, the final theory we'll look at is what I consider the most plausible. And that's that a disoriented Brandon left his truck on foot, got lost, and died from the elements. Brandon had spent two days strung out on meth. You have to remember that. He was paranoid and likely severely sleep-deprived. And while the temperature was in the low 70s that night, it skyrocketed to over 100 the following day. And there was a severe drought at the time. And in his condition, without access to water, that sort of heat could have quickly turned deadly. I can, I can see that. I mean, and yeah, and in addition... The area was known to have some pretty dangerous wildlife, such as uh, rattlesnakes and even wild hogs, which are supposedly pretty vicious. I've never seen one personally. So there are any number of ways someone in his state of mind could have met their end out there. But again, that said, there are some obvious problems with this theory as well. Uh, The 911 call? Yeah. Uh. I mean, for one, if this were the case, it seems like a body would have been found. But more importantly, this scenario would have had to happen after Kyle and Officer Neal arrived at the truck. So to believe this theory, we have to believe that the bizarre 911 call ultimately had little or nothing to do with his death, right? And that seems like an incredible stretch. It would seem to suggest that there were two highly improbable series of events that occurred that night. 
Yeah, I agree. I there's no way I believe that that nine one one call had nothing to do with his death. Yeah, I agree. But in this scenario, the events with the nine one one call would have had to have happened. He would would have been well. I say relatively fine because he was talking to Kyle. He was at least conscious, right? Yeah. And then after that, he would have had to have gotten so disoriented that he wandered out and just died from the elements. So, I mean, it should tell you something about how bizarre this case is that this is what I consider the most plausible scenario. Maybe plausible, but I don't think this is what happened, if that if that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I think the big problem is this, that that just about any of these scenarios would have to happen quite a long time after the 911 call. Right, and we can't discard the fact that Kyle spent a long time looking for Brandon that night. Yeah, exactly. You don't I mean, think Brandon he was calling his name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. You I know, mean, it's, it's like he vanished off the face of the earth in between the time it took Officer Neal and Kyle to have that brief conversation and when Kyle left to go look for him. Right, with the way that, with the way he seemed to be on the scene when Kyle showed up, with the 911 call, with the fact that he seemed to just vanish into thin air afterward, I feel like Brandon had to have gotten into a vehicle with someone, whether he did it, you know, by choice or they forced him in. Yeah, I've, I've considered that plenty of time. But again, it seems like that'd have to be another scenario where two highly improbable things happened. Because it would have had to have taken place after the 911 call, after he spoke with Kyle. So were these two completely separate things, or were they connected somehow? I think they would have had to been connected. So I've he would always... have had an interaction with someone during the 911 call part, and then somehow met them again after speaking with Kyle? Well, I hate to say met them. See, I have always felt that something happened. There was some sort of you know, bad intent. There was, I'm not saying there was necessarily a murder he saw, but maybe he saw something he wasn't supposed to see. Something happened, and those people saw Brandon. He sounded like he was running, right? Yes, I mean, I agree. I mean, at the very least, he sounded out of breath. Yeah, so I thought, you know, maybe these people were cruising up and down the road looking for Brandon as well. But don't you think his brother and his friend would have seen him? Well, I'm not saying they wouldn't have, but... Let's just say, you know, they didn't come across him before these other people that, you know, needed to get rid of Brandon came across him. I guess that's possible. But what I don't understand is it seems like if they were, if these people were looking for Brandon too, doesn't it seem like they would have been passing Brandon's brother and the friend, whatever friend he had with him? I mean, wouldn't they have had to have been cruising up and down the same road looking for Brandon? Probably, but it's nighttime. Are they expecting there to be no traffic? I mean... Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a fair point. In the dead of night, you see headlights coming at you. You're not going to say, oh, that's the same car I've seen five times. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. But if if they could find him, then why couldn't the people who were actively yelling his name and who, who he wanted to be found by? I'm not saying it's a perfect theory. I just feel like no, it's no, I, I'm, I'm not trying to just pick at your theory. Yeah. I just... It just this case is so frustrating because he just seems to have vanished off the face of the planet. He does. He really does. And I mean, I don't suppose he was swept away in a, ri- a river, right? Uh, that seems to be a no because there was a severe drought at the time. And apparently the, the river, was it the Colorado? 
I believe the Colorado, yeah. Yeah, it came up to uh like that came up like knee deep at the time. Yeah, so it's highly unlikely that he drowned. Not gonna sweep you away. Right. I mean, there's also the fact that, you know, they search for him, they search for his body. I mean, you know, a wild boar, a rattlesnake, they may kill you, but they're not gonna like eat your body, you know. I mean, a boar might eat someone, but not like in a in you know in a few hours in a day. Yeah, that, that seems to be the case. Now, I have read some people say that that wild hogs, particularly in groups, will completely devour a body. I don't know how truthful that is, but I, I guess it's a possibility. But I tend to agree. It seems like if he'd have died in the elements, that someone would have found him or found some evidence of him, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, let's say let's say wild hogs did eat him. Did they eat his shoes and his shirt? And his, his wallet and his keys and his phone. Yeah, I don't These think were so. all items that were never found. And his debit cards were never used again. So it doesn't look like anyone stole them to use. I mean, you know, he didn't show up. He didn't use his cards. He didn't use his money. Yeah. Again, it's like he vanished off the face of the earth. So that's basically the story of Brandon Lawson's disappearance. It's an especially frustrating case for a number of reasons. Uh, for one... Well, there's the fact that he appears to have vanished off the face of the earth. Uh, then there's the frantic 911 call that's largely unintelligible. And the police investigation basically began and ended with the theory that Brandon left voluntarily. So it's a bizarre story. And unfortunately, we may never have the answers that we want. However, Brandon's friends and family are still searching for those answers. So if you have any information about the disappearance of Brandon Lawson, please contact the Texas Department of Public Safety's Missing Persons Division at 512-424-5074. And thank you for listening to Fact and Suspicion.